السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. Good evening, خيانات بولويني. And a hearty welcome to the Shahida Kali Show. I can myself amperni I'm so excited. Well, I haven't been on the air for seven weeks, so you know I really missed you guys. And then it's good to be back. It's cool to be back. And of course, I have a very special program lined up for you. The first part is when we speak with a very special man. Remember, we've got this series of the program called Extraordinary People, which will take our, let's say, ordinary person who has achieved extraordinary achievements and then, you know, gets us to feel and refer to them as extraordinary people. So the extraordinary person in the studio tonight is Amin Mohammed. You've spoken with him or had listened to a program in which he was a part of probably two weeks ago and the focus was um, around drugs, drug use, the effects, the psychosocial effects, the impact, particularly the angle was the impact on women and, and really the road that women walk when their loved ones are using drugs and, and we know that that is a very, very sore road. And the person who told us that story was Aisha Muhammad, the wife of Amin, who isn't here tonight and I'm hoping, inshallah, that we will have her back on the uh, program so that we can really um, kind of tap into her heart again so that because of her experience one can encourage those who are using drugs to stop using drugs if they really get to know what it feels like to be a family member, a loved one of someone who's being kind of consumed by taking drugs. But Armin is here also to tell his story and and kind of give us a little bit of a different um view and experience of the journey and the 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 event almost though it would be many years of using a drug and then being sober the 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 beauty of sobriety but i think the beauty of sobriety that is that lies enriched in growth and self self growth and that's what we are wanting to speak with Amin about so let me welcome Amin to the program assalamu alaikum and welcome to the program Alaikum Assalam, uh, Shahida. I'm very excited to have you here in the studio because I feel it is so special when we have someone who has walked a road and can then share it, you know, with with integrity and be able to say this is really, really what it felt like. Mm-hmm. More than I can tell your story, you can tell your own. Definitely. So I just want to to ask you. Coming and becoming a part of the program, like on radio, and I know you do much work in the community. What does it feel like for you to sit here and and almost look into your life, look back into your life, and and speak about it at the stage? What does it feel like? First and foremost, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Um, I would just like to thank Allah subhanahu wa taala. For the great ni'mas and gifts that he has bestowed upon me as a person. And, you know, I just want to thank the Almighty for everything that he has, you know, done for me. And, you know, the way he has protected me. Um, and the vision that he has given me. Mm-hmm. The strength that he has given me to stand up 
when there was such a big void in my life and I must say you know that's one thing that I was lacking and that was to show a sign of gratitude if we don't show gratitude towards our Creator for this one life there's only one of it you know money we can always make your dignity you can always get back but life is only one and for that is first and foremost I would like to thank the Creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also for having given us this greatest of greatest exemplars you know of our beloved Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for having given us that uh, for, you know for giving us a prophet you know that has impacted so immensely on the whole of humankind so you know for me to come onto radio you know it's a very humbling experience for me because I must tell you Shahida in on my journey of recovery I've also been here to voice of the Cape trying to beg for money trying to con people out of you know existence as it were uh, I've been here you know twice or three times you know so my my coming here you know is nothing new but you know obviously now that I'm I'm sober uh, you know I've, I've sort of journeyed anew you know it's a very humbling experience you know to to come out here and you know sort of share what I've been through and and I and I want to ask you on that when you think of it as humbling what brings about the humility is it connected to really realizing how merciful Allah is in in this opportunity almost as a let's call it a second chance to to really oh, make life so differently definitely you know if if you see if you are going to take up this you know the second chance as it were or you know if you're going to be wanting to become famous uh, coming to a radio station and you think now you can become famous I think you're basically losing the plot you're losing the, the very essence of why you've come out to a station like Voice of the Cape for instance I think that my thing would really be I would like to share with the millions of people out there that just feel that sense of despair you know they just feel that they don't have it to sort of you know um, you know th there's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel they they live in darkness they there's no way out as it were okay. and, and I would just like to tell them you know if a Jamarat like me could have come out of that darkness into the light you know then anybody else can do it and I'd, I'd like you to hold that thought because I think it's very important that we just touch on some of the things that you'd mentioned and I'm speaking with Amin Mohammed who had used drugs in the past and we'd like to get to the stage where we speak about the drugs that were used and and that part of of Amin's life for now we need to take commercial news when we come back we particularly want to focus on despair and what really really would help a person to get out of that despair stay with us
Kali and I'm speaking with Amin Mohammed who used to use drugs so we would re- want to refer to him as a drug survivor he's been clean for a number of years by the grace of Allah and so today he can share with us hope particularly for people who are feeling absolutely helpless hopeless powerless and kind of in a dark pit of despair so Amin says I'm here because I it humbles me to think if I can just give a message to those people who are finding themselves in a space of despair at the moment right now I mean when you speaking directly to those people right now mm. what would you want to share with them you know the first thing I think that I want to share with them is you know I sit on a wall and I used to think to myself, you know, who's going to take me? Who's going to give me a job? I was, you know, I came out of prison for fraud. Who's going to, you know, like they would say, they don't even want to spit on me, that type of thing. I've become, like they would say, the untouchables, you know. You, you feel, you know, a sense of, you're not a person, you're not human anymore to interact with human beings anymore. And, you know, I would just like to say to them is that the greatest thing that happened to me was basically, you know, it's like they, this old Chinese proverb that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And We've got to really just say to ourselves, and this is what I did, I just said to myself, you know what I mean? I am being told far too often that you are wrong, you are resisting change. And I should think, but I'm in the right, you know, you know frame at that moment, um, you know. And I'm just thinking to myself, how can I change this? And I just said to myself, you know what I mean? Give yourself that opportunity just to see what they are talking about. Mm-hmm. And the moment I let my guard down to see what their point of view is all about, yeah. you know, things started to change for me. It wasn't about me. I was actually becoming, um, I was like experimenting something. I was saying to myself, I'm right, according to my mind, but let me just see what correctness there is of what they are talking about. And the moment I overstepped that boundary and allowed myself to see what they are seeing, things happened to me. Now, I just would like to to ask a question around that. How many years did it take before you could make that shift? It took More me, or less. It took me 47 years, basically. Wow. And, 47 and, years. Sure, it's a long time. Yes. And really why I'm asking that is, for the work that you're doing, does that very 47 years 
allow you to have patience with the other person's process, realizing that sometimes it takes a lot longer for that shift or that move to happen within a person. No, most definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there's there's quite a lot of hadiths that I've learned. I've learned the footy hadiths of the beloved Prophet wasallam, and. The one says, you know, the one hadith of a beloved Prophet Sallallahu says, a, a brother is a mirror unto another brother. Mm-hmm. And it's always is that when you see something wrong in that next person, you're actually seeing an image of yourself. Okay? And when you see an image of yourself, you try not to denounce that next person. Okay, or you don't try to become critical of that next person because then you are actually becoming critical of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, having you know, bearing that in mind, a person has got to realize one thing: if it took me forty-seven years mm-hmm. to get, you know to get that to that journey, or to restart the new journey that I'm on at this present moment, then I've got to be. Very, very patient with the next person that wants to embrace that type of change. Just to give an example, I went to a rehab center in Worcester. And when I came out, a certain gentleman said to me, Why did you, at what point did you make that change Mm. of wanting to stay drug free? I couldn't answer him. And he said to me, I mean, you know what? You are resisting change. For the life of it, I was so angry with this person because I was trying so hard to stay clean. And here you are telling me, barely two weeks out of the rehab, that I am resisting change. And when I, you know, when I sort of fell, or for a better word, relapsed, you know, I relapsed in an even bigger way. And I, it always troubled me what this man said. But I could never, ever understand it. Until the day, not even the first year or the first 18 months of my recovery did I understand what that man said. There are a lot of factors, you know, you know, after my recovery, you know, that didn't make me understand what that man actually meant. I only understood it now four years ago. And and what do you think did it mean? And I'm and I'm asking that because I think, again, your journey mirrors yes. so much the journey of of many many other people, yes. and and I perhaps to say it would probably mirror all of our journeys, just different drugs of choice, different focus, different journeys, different struggles. Mm. But really, the essence of a struggling journey is, you know, what it is for us human beings. Mm. So what do you think? What did that man give to you? Um, because I'm sure we can all benefit from that. You know, basically, you know, when, when he said to me that I am resisting change, it shook me to my core, like for seven years. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's a long time, and I mean, just to, you know, to hold that thought because we need to take commercial news. When we come back, we will allow that I mean speaks and shares his journey in terms of resisting change and then embracing change. Stay with us.
Welcome back. I'm really, really excited. I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Amin Mohammed. We're focusing on the journey of having used drugs for so long. My goodness, Amin speaks about 47 years of having lived a particular way of life and then change came and change came and, and grew more from a person saying to Amin, you're resisting change. It took years for Amin to realize what that really meant. And so I'd like for you to tell us so many years later, you know, how did it come about that it kind of clicked? Uh, I must go a bit, you know, I must take two steps back in order to go, you know, another, you know, to make a a step forward. You know, I met a person at a garage and I was begging for money. And this person said to me, you know, that I must leave. And I left and he called me back again and he places into my hand a hundred rand note. Just giving you the shortened version of this. Mm-hmm. And then he tells me that, you know what? I prevented you two things of lying. I know that you are an addict. And I've still given you the hundred rands. But can you see what Allah Ta'ala has placed into your hands without you having to beg? But the most important thing is the reason why I sent you away and called you back. I prevented you from begging because Allah Ta'ala surely opens a door of poverty for any person that begs and that is why it is haram for any Muslim or any person for that matter to beg because Allah Ta'ala opens that door of poverty so when Allah Ta'ala opens a door of poverty or a door we must understand it's a big door if it is a door of Baraka then he opens a big door. Allah Ta'ala opens everything hugely for us. You know, in, 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 sort of, in terms of size, he opens up huge things for us. And I looked at this gentleman, and you know, I call him my Jibreel. Because he surely was like a, you know, an, an, angel. an angel. And so, you know, he says to me, if I use this money correctly, I will be the cause of pulling him into Jannah, right? But if I use it incorrectly, then he, the giver, will be the cause of putting me into Jahannam. But the long and the short of it is, you know, that was the start of my journey. And, and I, you know, I, at some stage I'd listened to you on a program when you had told that particular story. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you now, at that moment when that man did that, yes. but you were still using drugs, yes. was your heart so still resistant that it didn't click or did actually a light bulb, a something came through, a... An iota of Iman came through. Did it feel for you like that? What did it feel like? You know, if I can say this to you, I used to knock on people's doors for food. But believe you me, although I was drugging, I used to ask him, you know, because sometimes if it was Christian people, I'd rather ask him, can I have a fruit please? Or something, then I will tell me, uh, can't I perhaps put something on your bread? And I'll tell them no. You know, not for anything, but the thing here is more like, the is it halal? Of, 
of being of it being halal there's still that taqwa there's still that iman and and, you know? and if you then look back to the 47 years yeah. does that not amaze one in terms of allah's mercy no most definitely that, i just want I mean, to give a proper perception about this 47 years yeah I've been on drugs in total for 30 years, okay. but I'm talking about my resistance for change sure. is for 47. Right. Yeah. And I just want to come back to that story of my resisting change. You know, I was headstrong, stubborn, I'm obstinate. Maybe like they would say it's the sign of the bull, I'm a Torian or anything like that. But it goes beyond that, you know. It was, I was in denial for a number of years of you know of about a lot of things you know i was always right i couldn't see myself as being wrong and so on and that is what i'm talking about things that humble me is when my children tell, tell me even daddy you know what i think you've made a mistake and i see but hey i've made a mistake you know what i mean and then i would tell them hey you know what i'm so sorry and just and for me to say that i'm sorry yeah you know, yeah. is something that wasn't part of my equation, it wasn't part, part of my person. And, and today I can say, I'm sorry. And does it, what does it do to your heart when you actually accept that you are wrong, even if it's a small wrong, but you ac because it's a concept here, yeah. and that you're able to say, I'm sorry, what does it do to your heart? Doesn't it lighten that heart? Yes, it does lighten my heart, but it also... You know, it gives you ownership. Uh -huh. It gives you ownership. If I can perhaps just go back to another story. The first time after 18 months or 19 months of being totally free from drugs, I had gone to a janaza and people were saying, Hey, did you see Amin? He is here. Hide your cell phones and be aware. He's going to ask you for a 50 rand. Do you know, do you know how I felt? What did it feel like? It f I felt like th that earth could swallow me up whole. Sure. I felt empty. I said, Ya Allah, I can't be clean for 18 or 19 months. And then still have whispers coming to me like this. You know, what is the use? And that is the despair I'm talking about. And you know? now that's a critical part, because right? what I'd like to ask you is, I mean, doesn't such an experience, isn't such an experience able to actually push you to relapse if you were not ready to be strong? You needed yes. to make a choice at that time. No, most definitely. Okay. Most definitely. Yeah. But here it comes. All right. You see, I am not a Maulana. I'm not an Alim. I'm not a saint of any kind. I'm just an ordinary human being. But believe you me, if you return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala places into you sabr. And He tells you to be cautious. He tells you, you know, He makes you whole. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what happened. All I said to myself that night when I heard these whispers of people laughing, he's in a thobe, uh, you know, I'm in his ear, you know, I felt bad. But the important thing that overtook everything that night was when this thought came to my mind, and the thought was like this, I mean, you know what? You deserve this. 
Do you know why? This is a gift. For everything that you do, there's a gift. And the gift that you get for doing something wrong. You can't expect when you rob people, when you con people out of their money, right? Steal their cell phones. You can't expect people to clap for you. Right? And this is the wrong thing. Are you, do you understand? So I said to myself, I mean, you know what? Fall in your skull. You deserve that. And so that prevents you from doing something like this or a similar thing like that. Again, it prevents so, you from doing that. So I think you speak about, and, and one, if one speaks or when one speaks with other, you know, persons who had a similar journey to yours, then it's always a remarkable shift is when a person is able to acknowledge and take responsibility because that would also be a part of, I hurt people, can I make it better? Can I make Definitely. up? Can I be remorseful? Can I really ask for forgiveness from a deep, deep sense of sincerity? in my heart so uh, that is a very important part of the journey that you're speaking about taking uh, acknowledging and then feeling um, the remorse of that but the growth that it allows from there I just want to for a moment go to an SMS that we've received and it asks are drug addicts normally egocentric and I'd like for Amin to also respond my response would be when a person is drugging, mm. the, often the understanding is you've lost the person, it's the drug. Mm. You're looking at the drug that's overtaking a huge part of the person. And therefore they're driven by this need of drugging that makes them egocentric. That it's all about them. It's like Armin said, for a long time I was right. I couldn't see any other point of view. And so Often that is what the drug helps the person to perpetuates do. That. It perpetuates it until there is the change, the switch to is there another opinion? Mm. Are there other things that I that I can and when you speak about what you just said, when those people said Ooh, you were able to to lose that egocentrism, to yeah. take it away from you, to actually say, well, if they were harmed, I can understand where they're coming from. Exactly. And you can only do that if you, mm -hmm. if you lose the egocentrism that this lady is, yeah. is, or I'm just assuming it's a lady who sent yeah. the SMS. Yeah. My goodness. But what I want to say is so certainly when one is caught up with drug use, very, very often one of the characteristics mm -hmm. Or signs and symptoms of drug use would be egocentrism, mm. meaning I can only see it from my point of view. Most definitely. Yeah. You know, you know, part of the healing process. Yeah. Of uh, you know, uh, like like the, like the healing process would first and foremost be to own up and to say, I've done this. You know, a great journey then awaits you. Because now you've owned up and you've said that, look, I have done this, right? And then forgiveness comes in. You cannot forgive. If you can't forgive yourself, you cannot move forward. Now, I want to ask on that. So part of that process, hmm. would, would you say an important part of that process would be 
you in order for you to forgive you need to feel remorse you need That's to be cool. regretful yeah. you know you need to feel Ek is jammer, ek is jammer ek het het gedoen En omdat ek jammer voel en seer voel Weet ek, seer moet, needs to be forgiven So needs to heal, needs balm The balm of remorsefulness and so on Is to then forgive the self You know, if I can perhaps just, you know, come to something You know, I went around and I still haven't sort of paid people that I have offended or that I've conned that you've wronged you know I went to people before I went on Hajj and I went to go and take my money to them and the first thing that they would tell me is mashallah I mean don't worry we don't want it you are right now and we're so happy for you whilst that is true and I understand the sincerity you know, Shahida, I made a point of not taking that money back. I told him, no, I don't want to take this money back. And there's a reason for it. The reason is, before I left on Hajj last year, I had paid out an amount of almost 92,000 rands, which is huge, Right? That's only on people that I have conned and people that I, you know, people that I couldn't remember, obviously because of my stupor that I was in. Yeah. But as I'm journeying through this, I must inform you, the reason why I never wanted to take this money back was because it was going to be too simple. I wanted to feel the pain of me losing that money, not losing it because, you know, it gives me that ownership that I will never be able to do that again because I have in actual fact lost that money. Sure. Are you with me? So by me losing that money, I know I now know what it is for the next person to have lost that 50 rand, you know, uh, for the next person to have lost that 100 rands or whatever the case might be. And that is only uh, money. That's only something which is physical. I lost more than that. I lost a lot of people's trust. Okay, Absolutely. and yeah. and that to gain that back was yeah. a huge thing for me. It was it was absolutely big for me to have gained that back. Um, you know, um, for me, it is empowering myself at this present moment. You know, it is about my personal development and about me taking ownership of my life. You know, it's not about anything else. And I think, you know, as we, we're moving towards having to take commercial news again, but I would want to just come in to say, um, one's journey, one wants to give credibility to oneself. Mm. You know, that is what makes this journey of mine credible, is mm. what one wants to say. But I'd, you know, if I, if I look at it, and I mean, we'll, you know, we haven't even touched on family and your wife and children and so. One of the gifts and the lessons that I think is phenomenal for a parent to teach a child is if I've done something wrong for me to acknowledge and then to make good, to plead for forgiveness and to forgive myself and to heal my sore heart and to try through my actions to heal the hearts of those that I 
I've that I've wronged mm. is such a beautiful life lesson mm. that we are supposed to teach our children. And I, I just think that, you know, you are trying so hard to want to do that and mm. what a legacy that you would then leave for your children. But we need to take commercial news when we come back. We have a question that asks, how long were you in jail? And we will attend to that question when we come back. Stay with us. Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Amin um, Mohammed and Amin has had an experience of part of his life that has been that was taken up by using drugs and has been sober clean um, allowed in self-growth which for me you know was Beautiful to listen to when Amin started the explanation of the gratitude to the Almighty Creator for the mercy and the graciousness, you know, of allowing a person a chance of changing um, one's life in a way that that takes you closer to Allah because that's ultimately our purpose of our journey is to become closer to Allah brings me to answering and responding to the question that was asked how long was Amin in jail and you know having spoken about it in the break the decision was made shall we be very mindful of not glamorizing Definitely. any period that Definitely. was in jail and say any one day no. is too much no. for any person god-fearing person or who strives to be god-fearing to be in jail you know it's really really a place no one wants to be and it's a place that you know by Allah we we would want to grow and to learn and to ask Allah to guide us that Amen. none of us ever ever you know have to go to jail for whatever reason so by Allah I'm hoping that I'd responded sufficiently I think it's you know suffice to say I mean feels it was a day too many Definitely. Isn't it? Hey? Most so, so coming back, I want to ask you, you spoke about Sabr, mm. spoke about the acknowledgement of that which I've done and therefore there'll be consequences. Mm. Um, it takes a lot of courage and strength to do that, I mean, isn't it? Hey, Now, we haven't touched on your family. We haven't yeah. touched on the role of your wife and mm. so on. Mm. But we know that she played a phenomenal part of your journey. Mm. I just want to almost take it back to that. Okay. In the program that I missed two weeks ago, mm. um, you said the focus was a lot on your wife's journey, that... A lot of growth still happened from there for you. Speak with us a little bit about that. You know, um, Shahida, uh, my wife came into the studio about two weeks ago. And, you know, it is uh, it was Women's Month. 
And was it the first time that she was in a program with you? Yes. All right. Okay, the first time that she had come. And um, basically, the first sentence was one of uh, a tearjerker where she, you know, where she cried and so on. Um, and, you know, she mentioned something to the fact of, you know, the children where she still feels she's got the children, you know. And, you know, basically, it's something like this, where it was a side that I never saw, you know, where she is like still got, or she still has the ownership of the children. Although we are married now, you know, she still feels that she's got the, she's got to control the kids, not me, or it shouldn't be a joint thing, that type of thing. And I can understand why she feels like that, and I allow her to feel the way that she does, you know. And it allows me to stuff, you know, get into her body and to feel what she, what I have made her become. Are you with me? And suddenly when I get into her body and see what I have made her become, right, I then get the solutions, or I offer solutions to her that are meaningful for both of us. And that is important, you know, the two of us, we still speak about a lot of things, and sometimes when we've got our odd moment, like any other couple has, she will throw something into my face, you know, or still remind me of my past. And I've come to understand that it is okay, but it doesn't give me a license to go back on drugging. To say, can you see, now you throw that into my face, I've got to now take a drug. And that in itself is very character building, you know, for me. And, and, and I was going to ask you, doesn't that, that ingredient of yeah. you that was possibly dormant for a long while, mm. was the strength of having to say, I need to take responsibility for my actions. And therefore, regardless or notwithstanding what anyone does around me, I make the choice to be better or not to be better. Definitely. It's, it's all about choices, you know. Um, you know, as a recovering addict, you know, a person must always know I'm fragile. I am, anything can set me off. Should it be that way? No. You know, normal people go to work late, trains are late, um, you know, they have squabbles in their uh, family life, in their, the children, you know, will get the bad side of you on one day or the other, you know, um, you will have financial problems, or maybe not, or whatever the case might be. That's part of being normal. Okay, and okay. I think, I mean, you speak about a hugely important part of this journey for all of us. 
what what I hear you describing is can we get ourselves to the point where we accept life as it happens? Can we accept that Allah did not make us perfect, that we will err, that we will make errors in judgment, that but that we can take responsibility and we can say there are certain errors I'm not going to make because I still take ownership of my choices. But it's it's that's such an important part because I think one of the, and, and you can tell me whether it is so, one of the um, presentation characteristics or traits of a person who turns to drugs often would be when something happens to them. It's so difficult for them to cope with it, so they resist what happens to them. And then they self-medicate. Often it's, you know, that's part of what a package can look like. Mm. So I go to drugs because it's so hard for me to accept whatever has happened. You know, it's, it's all about emotional immaturity. Uh-huh. You know, it's all about that. Um, you know, a person needs to understand that drugging is but a symptom of a bigger disease. It is not a disease in itself. Uh, that's at least is my own personal view. Um, addictive thinking is not something that just, you know, it just doesn't arrive at your door. It's a process that takes place over a number of years. Um, you know, you can't just start thinking incorrectly. You know, it's got to be, you know, like they say, Pavlov's law of conditioning your mind has got to be conditioned to a certain you know way of thinking so that is the thing you know we like i've mentioned earlier that it is a symptom of a bigger disease okay so it's you know it's so interesting when you when you go to pavlov and conditioning mm. and i'm thinking of association mm. and immediately i'm thinking i could get all excited because mm. i'm thinking of the important thing that you said much in the beginning of our of our discussion when you spoke about if you take Allah into your life. Yes. So if I associate myself with Allah, then the conditioning is different. So it's Most like that's, it's a huge part yes. of the you conditioning. See, see. But I, I need for you to hold the thought because we need to take commercial news. When we come back, we'll talk about conditioning and association and, and realizing how if we associate correctly or helpfully, that that is part of our journey to make it better, inshallah, by Allah's grace. And I'm speaking with Amin Mohammed, and we're speaking about the journey of when drug use has taken some of one's 
focus in one's life and then when one changes it and as Armin speaks of his journey and he speaks about the change being my focus and bringing Allah into my focus or bringing Allah differently or back into my focus because Allah, um, Amin speaks about Allah never actually left him. Allah never left his being. The, the Iman was always there. It's just, you know, walking alongside almost one would want to say is this other struggle, you know, that takes that, that, that conflicts one inside. You're speaking about conditioning and then for me one gets conditioned by that which you associate with whatever. Would you say, and I mean we've got, you know, four minutes or so left over of the program, would you would you say that a huge part for people who are listening at this moment of any of our journeys, or be it whatever the focus of struggle, that if we align ourselves, if we associate ourselves and our hearts with Allah, it's the step that we need to take, and the other steps will follow. You know, it's important, at least for me. I was very, I'm a skeptic, and I was very skeptical when people should tell me, I mean, and make salah. I mean, return to Allah. Mm. You know, if you return to Allah, if you take one step towards Allah, like the Tabligh Jama'ah will tell you, then Allah Ta'ala take ten steps. Now, I couldn't imagine this. Mm. And this is what I'm talking about when I talk about, you know, I was resisting change. I'm not saying that I've become a Taba or a Tabligh or a Maulana or an Alim. None of that. Okay? I've just become a more conscious person. Of who I am and who my creator is and who my Rasul is, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and what he has done and what his teachings are. I've just become more conscious about that. That led me to the next phase where I said, Ya Allah, I'm doing this mindful of your mercy and mindful of your forgiveness mm -hmm. and it is with this that I undertake my new life and my new journey and and may I ask because I'm sure in your many years there would have been attempts to get better yes. may I ask that at this stage where perhaps there was a, a a different level of commitment to Allah Definitely. that that would have been the ingredient that sustained this change Same. this time Same. Definitely, you know the other time I did it because of geographical things, I was out in the cold I needed a place to stay I couldn't take you know the geography anymore the geographical things impacted on to me, you know where I was sleeping in cold weather I had to get out to a rehab where it was warmer mm -hmm. and so on. Um, and no, you know, no sooner are you inside mm. and you are well, by the fifth day, mm. I want to get out. Yeah. I don't need this. I can do this on my own. And it's all about you can do this. You can do that. You can do this. And that stays in your subconscious for a very long time that you can do it. Instead of saying, Allah is the only one that can do this. And when there was this mind shift, wonderful things happened, you know. So basically, I have come to a point in my life 
when nothing ever happens without the kudrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when I undertook this journey with Allah, it's like this. Sometimes, and I always make a mention of this, if you want to get married because you see that lady friend of yours looking so beautiful, then Allah Ta'ala will grant you that. But if you do it because it's a, one of the greatest sunnahs, Allah Ta'ala will grant you that too. The one is worth barakah, the other one is not. So that's the reason why we get failures in marriages. But if you are having problems with your wife and you see this as a, you know, something that you are doing with your wife, because it happens to be a very great sunnah, then Allah will put hidayah into your head. And so, and I think we need to come to the, the point where we're going to conclude the program. Really, the, the last note, and I thank you for that note, what you're saying is, if the the intention our our the reason for yeah for us being here is to move closer to Allah is to be in need of Allah is to really know that we have to revere Allah and Allah gives us the the line of and the gift and the mercy of the line it comes from Allah to remind us about our process i want to say thank you very much because i think on that note we have to conclude the program Shukran and Assalamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Assalam. Tazakala Shukran.